Remember when you loved what you did for a living and you got excited talking about it? The Portfolio Career Podcast is here to help. Help you find that next project, next idea, or next friend. Host David Nabinsky will interview those that have optimized their careers for growth, resilience, and ultimately happiness. Tune in and let's have some fun. Hey friend, really excited for this Portfolio Career Podcast episode with Chris Bullman. Chris is a marketing communications and technology strategist. Chris has many components in his portfolio career, and you can too. We talk about Chris working at Goldman Sachs, an incredible learning experience and takeaways as an early employee at venture capital finance startup, Percolate. Talks about how the political election shaped him, shaped him to be the founder and CEO of Brightest, a technology platform for purposeful work and civic engagement. He's also the co-founder of the Museum of Pizza, He is a writer and his recent piece titled, What I've Learned So Far Had a Profound Impact on Me. A really helpful perspective on a portfolio career. Definitely check that out after this episode. Excited for you to learn and grow your portfolio career here. And as always, let me know what you think. Thank you so much. (laughs) You could probably do a podcast entirely on just like what has happened in this room. Yeah. Well, cool. Let's get started. Welcome to a Portfolio Career Podcast. Your host, David Nabinsky, is here with Chris Bullman. Welcome, hey, Chris. for having me. Yeah. I guess one place that I'd like to start, Chris, is you have a very diverse portfolio of projects and work that you do. If you were to go to an event tonight, how would you introduce yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's funny. I was actually in an event recently where, you know, a journalist kind of asked me, what do I do for a living? And we say, you know, I'm working or I'm building a startup focused around kind of local civic engagement. I'm also pretty active in like local and state level political organizing in New York. And I'm also creating a pop-up contemporary art museum in New York City. And normally I leave it at those three things and that kind of gets the conversation going. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) a... And within those three, is there one that you're spending more time on now? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think if I back up a little bit, one of the things, if I go back to, you know, 2015, 2016, you know, I started to think a little bit more, I guess, kind of about like my overall impact and not just like what I was doing for myself and my career, but kind of, you know, what would I want like my legacy to be? What would I want like my overall impact on the world to be? How can I be about more than just, you know, myself but and my friends and family, but like be about my community, be about my neighborhood, be about my city and and you know, around that time, obviously, we were heading into the the presidential election. And so, you know, I started off, you know, I was supporting Bernie Sanders, I kind of pivoted into supporting Hillary Clinton, because, you know, just between the two candidates, she was kind of the obviously more qualified, better choice for the country. And I remember kind of actually being out in like Allentown, Pennsylvania, in like the summer of 2016, and really kind of feeling there weren't enough people who went from thinking about their impact and saying like, yeah, I want to do more for the world or like, I want to make the world a better place and people like actually knowing what to do or like how to get involved. I've heard so many stories, whether it's from the presidential election or after the election or even just people in general who say, I would love to figure out a way to give back a little bit more, maybe in like a non-monetary sense, like donate my time, donate my skills to, you know, make the world a better place or make a city a better place. Like, how do I get started? And so that question and trying to help people get an answer to that question was really the genesis for the first company that I started, Brightest, 
website www.brightest.io where we're finishing uh, an iPhone app that'll be coming out pretty soon. And, um, but that was sort of the first company and project that I started working on. But I think in the meantime, I want to make the world a better place. I think there are ways to do that fundamentally changing the system and the laws in this country, thinking about new ways to do what we do, but also trying to change the system as well from within the system. So I've been very active in the 2018 midterm elections at a local level. Uh, and then finally, uh, I just had a, a good friend of mine, a guy who I really sort of respect, this guy Kareem Rama, and also his, his business partner, Alex. And they just kind of had this idea for a pop-up contemporary art museum in New York City. Uh, <laughs> and I remember Kareem and I talking about this in Chelsea back in February. And he was like, I've always wanted to create a museum. And I was like, you should create a museum. Like, follow your dream. Like, do it. And I was like, what's your idea? And he sort of like explained the idea. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, we should make that happen. And so that's something that we've also like built a team around and started mm. building up. And it's going to happen. And, you know, we're going to open on October. So Amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's like you think about, when you think about museums, you think there isn't really innovation in that space. Yep. As you mentioned when you were talking to them, you said, go follow your dream. And, and then you also mentioned, you know, kind of 2015 and 2016 as being transformative experiences or learnings. What got you to that point? Or what were you doing a little bit more before then as, you know, after you graduated college to get to that point? I think one of the things that's been true for me and has been maybe like both a blessing and a curse for me professionally is one of the things for me is I've always just really loved to learn new things. You know, both of my parents are teachers and educators. And so I think I may have just like inherited that genetically, but I've always been interested in reading. I've always been interested in learning. I've always been interested in like, how can I self teach myself new things, whether that's, you know, how can I play an instrument or how can I learn how to code or how can I learn about the art world? And so I remember, you know, in college, like not really knowing really what I wanted to do. And interestingly, like both of my parents kind of not giving me any career coaching whatsoever. Whatsoever. You know, again, maybe just because like they're both teachers, they're not very business fluent people, but they were kind of just like, yeah, go do whatever you want to do. And I remember I toyed with being a journalist, I toyed with becoming a lawyer, but I took the LSAT and thought about it. And I was like, no way, I like definitely don't want to do this. <laughs> And I just remember, you know, a, a woman that I was dating at the time, she was like, well, I'm from New York City, like born and raised NYC. She's like, I'm moving back to New York City after the college. Like we were dating and she was like, do you want to just move to New York City and like see what happens? And so I said, okay, sure. And I took a flyer on some jobs, like was applying for random things that I had like literally no experience doing. You know, I convinced... Goldman Sachs that they should hire an English major because I convinced them that I was like an outside the box thinker. <laughs> and and so I just ended up kind of moving to New York City, kind of improvising my career trajectory. And I, yeah, I briefly did a stint in finance, like first year out of college. And I was like, this isn't right for me. So I ended up going into clean tech or clean energy. So I joined a small startup. Uh, it was about 10 people that was doing solar project development. We were helping renewable energy developers with data and information about, you know, how could they source their materials? How could they get projects done? What was the policy landscape? And from there, I just ended up getting more and more interested in marketing and in brands and in innovation and in technology. And that really led me to, to where I am today in a very circuitous sense. Yeah, no, no, it's great. It, I think you've learned a lot about yourself along the way. What you know, what's that like when you when you approached Goldman Sachs or you approached the, the startup? Like, it seems like you have a lot of conviction in, into testing an idea. Like, what? How do you get comfortable with the uncomfort? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. I think you know one of the things that I feel like I've kind of 
thought about or evolved in in life is really just this idea of like increasing your surface area for success Mm. and which is to say you know the more kind of you can build your personal brand the more you can build your relationship network the more you can put yourself out there and just try different things the more likely you are to probably end up finding something that either is a good fit for you or that you just kind of luck out and there and there's really uptake. You know, I think one of the things that I think is is just true and also a little frustrating about the media environment. You know, we do a lot of things culturally around kind of survivorship bias, which is we look at somebody who is like an incredibly successful entrepreneur or somebody who got really lucky or somebody who had some mix of privileges and we sort of infuse that like that's the right person, they're a genius and like they made it happen. But a lot of times like we don't think about the underlying context, the system, how fortunate they might have been, the other people who were involved in that process or potentially some of the failures that led to their successes. And so I think, you know, the main thing that I think that is important about putting yourself out there and testing and trying new things is the only thing that really gives you the opportunity in life to kind of really reflect and potentially even reinvent yourself is actually failing or not succeeding at something. If things are going well for you and your company's growing, you're probably not going to question things. You might not really Mm. look in the mirror. You might just ride that momentum. But it's like when things really go against you, that's probably more likely that you're going to step away and say, like, that really didn't work. Like, I've got to either try something new or go in a new direction or or look inside and say, what do I need to change about myself? Mm. Is there any types of tools or tools that you've used to help better understand yourself or where your strengths or that has guided you along the way? So I think I'm a big advocate or fan of, you know, one, just digesting information and reading because one of the things that I think is pretty true is almost any problem you have or issue that you're thinking about, someone else very intelligent in human history has already thought about that and probably documented their thinking. And so I think one, just reading books, you know, listening to podcasts and doing things like that is is really, really helpful. But I think also like mental models and frameworks can be really useful. You know, I know Charlie Munger, who's uh, Warren Buffett's investor investment partner has kind of this famous line where he's like a couple good mental models or a hundred good mental models is like all you need to sort of succeed in your life and your career. And I think that's really true, which is trying to think about what are frameworks, what are ways to look at the world or make decisions that can help you kind of understand the underlying mechanisms and logic for how to do things well. So, you know, one example, which I know we talked about a little bit earlier was, you know, I wrote a post on my blog recently of sort of like what I've learned so far. And And one of the ways that I've tried to think about life, and I don't know how much of this is sort of me making this up or something, synthesizing something else (laughs) that I read, but I was thinking about life and kind of how you spend your time, which is a topic that I'm pretty interested in right now. But, you know, if you think about just you personally, your time kind of gets split along like four dimensions or four axes or four areas of your life, right? One is just like personal self-care. That's How many hours a night do you sleep? Do you go to the gym? Do you work out? Do you go to yoga practice? Do you eat well? The things that you do for personal wellness and sort of that's like area one. Area two is how do you spend time with your friends, your family, your loved ones? Like how do you build relationships and how do you kind of nurture those 
interpersonal connections with other people. I think area four is your actual job, which is how do you make a living? How do you build your career? How do you earn money? Area four might be your art and your art could be your hobby. It could be something you do in your spare time. It could be volunteering, but something that you find meaningful that you might or might not get paid for. And I think the important thing just that I would recommend everyone think about, and this is something I think about a lot, is how am I allocating my time and my energy and my prioritization in those four buckets? And even perhaps more importantly, if those are the four ways you can spend your time, how is there a way to get leverage between those, which is ways to get multiple, like get your energy into multiple buckets at the same time. So for example, if you are hypothetically like a, a personal fitness trainer or a professional athlete or a yoga instructor, you're probably working on your health and wellness at the same time that you're earning a living. And so you've kind of combined two of these elements into one. Or if you're a social worker or a, or a doctor or something like that, you're helping people and finding meaning at the same time that you're, you're getting paid, looking for ways to kind of get efficiencies around how you spend your time. Because the reality is, unfortunately, like there's only so many hours in the day. We all have limited time and resources. Like there's no way you can do all four of those masterfully. Mm. So it's more thinking about what's most important to you in the here and now. Where do you kind of derive like your personal energy and how do you want to think about trying to as efficiently and effectively as possible, like allocate among those? Yeah, that's incredible. Your blog post really opened up my eyes on a, on a couple of different areas. And another thing that, what was it like when you... We're going through, you know, starting your career and you mentioned that your parents gave you a little bit more of a free reigns, you know, what was that like and how did you know you're good at strategy or consulting or being a founder? So I think one of the interesting things, and I'll try briefly to like punch outside of my actual knowledge range because I don't really know the specifics on this, but I remember there was this like behavioral psychologist who was like studying little kids and he found out that when a little kid, like a baby, small child figures out that they have creative agency, aka like understands causality, that I as a being can do things and like create things and change things in the world, little kids' brains just light up with joy. It's like one of the happiest childhood moments is when you as a baby or you as a toddler understand I can create things in the world. And I think that speaks to something like really kind of awesome and human about who we are, which is I think everybody finds meaning in their own personal way. You know, some people want to find it through or do find it through religion. Some people find it through social work. Some people find it through their art. That's all fine and good. But I think that like overarching principle of creating things, changing the world, creating positive change is like a pretty universal principle. And I think one of the cool things that I think my parents kind of maybe ultimately did, or maybe they just like, you know, didn't know how to career coach me was like basically saying, go out and find your own meaning on the terms that relate to you. And what I love about startups and what I think is really, really interesting about being a startup founder is it's pretty like emotionally taxing, but it also is one of those things where everything kind of stops with you and you have to just learn a ton of different things on the fly. You know, for example, I'm designing pretty complex software. I have to understand how that works. You know, like I have like four machine learning books on my like coffee table right now. And you know, again, I'm not a math major. I actually wish I'd paid a lot more attention with like high school linear algebra, but it's one of those things. The world is changing. If you want to work in that space, you kind of have to understand at least like core principles going back to what I was saying around like frameworks and mental models like you may not need to know the nuances of this algorithm but it helps to understand things in broad strokes 
And so what I think has been always most interesting to me about startups and about being a founder and about working on kind of these short-term intense projects is just the amount of learning from different areas that you have to soak up is really incredible. You know, I spent three to four years as like a leader and executive at a, a venture-backed startup called Percolate. And I would say in those times, I started as effectively almost like an individual contributor. You know, I was on like a three-person team and within a couple of years was managing and hiring like 15 people. And it's just like very rarely in your career do you go from that type of work transformation where it becomes not just about like the work that you can do, but how do you scale yourself? How do you scale your knowledge? How do you teach that to other people? How do you inspire and lead other people? And again, I think startups are unique in that sense that you get tremendous mobility, tremendous speed, and tremendous personal and professional growth opportunities, typically like in a very compact amount of time. Yeah, I think, you know, once you get on that kind of rocket ship, right? Yeah. You kind of keep going. Yeah, totally. So walk me through a little bit more of a day in the life right now. You mentioned a handful of projects that you're working on, you're starting companies. You know, what is... What, what, what's a day in a life look like? Yeah, so I think a couple of things that are important to me, or at least a couple of things that I found work well for me. I think one is really thinking about how you effectively compartmentalize your times. So for me, like a typical week might be Monday is really all about, I think, trying to think as strategically and holistically as possible about what are my top priorities? What do I need to go read or understand better? You know, maybe taking some time to just learn independently, whether that's, yeah, like reading a book or, you know, watching some YouTube tutorials or, or finding something out. I typically treat Monday as like a learning strategy prioritization day to orient my week. Tuesday will typically be focused entirely on a specific project. So I might make Tuesday a museum day. I'll be like, I'm going to only work on the museum. Like I'm not going to worry about anything else. Tuesday's museum day. And then Wednesday, typically I try to do more meetings, for example. So, you know, I live in Brooklyn. That might be the day that I go into the city, try to really like pack my calendar with as many meetings as possible, get that out of the way, keep my week going. Thursday could be another like very compartmentalized day where it's like, okay, I'm going to only work on brightest or if there's stuff going on at the museum we'll only work on the museum again and then friday is my day to finish up on anything that i didn't really get to try to recalibrate and i try to not work on weekends that's actually something i remember earlier in my career i would definitely work six days a week no problem i would take hours and hours on sunday and i would really throw that into my kind of workload and i still do sometimes you know like i'll spend some time on sunday night just trying to plan for the week ahead but i've actually found one that i think spending more time on the weekend with like things that you don't normally think about is like really important. You know, maybe going to a totally separate or different art museum or like going on a trip or experiencing some new cultural thing that you haven't seen before. I think that can be really cool because it can help jog your creativity and, and just get you thinking about things in a new way, but also just like spending time with people that are important to you and kind mm. of mentally resetting your energy. It's really easy to burn out, particularly in this day and age, and particularly with people who try to juggle multiple jobs or or even just juggle really one intense job. And so I've actually found I'm better at my job or better at the work I do if I can constrain down the time I spend on it. Yeah, so you got more, a lot more comfortable and confident in the productivity and the time that you spend as opposed to, well, I'm just going to work 100 hours. And yeah. Then- Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, and it's like if I have to get this done in an hour, I'm going to be super focused on it. Last night, 
I basically scheduled a, a picnic at 7.30, and I was like, I'm, going, I'm picnicking at 7.30, and I think I went for, like, a run at 5. So I, like, finished my run at 6. I'm like, all right, I got, like, an hour and a half till this picnic, but I was like, I have to put together this one thing. So I was like, all right, I have 45 minutes to do it, and I'm just going to, like, crank it out, and I just, like, was super focused, and I got it done. And I think almost didn't get it done, but it's yeah. like if you really are like very disciplined and rigid with yourself where it's like, I'm going to cram this into a certain amount of time, you're going to get it done. And I'm actually not a, a parent or anything, but I've heard this for like new parents mm. where people all of a sudden are like, I've brought this being into the world that I love. Like I have this like new member of my family. That's my responsibility. But like paradoxically actually makes them better at their job because they're like, I have to get my work done in this nine to five because after that, like I've got to take care of my kid because that's what really matters. It's like sometimes like like creating those not like equivalents whatever like almost the opposite of an equivalence is but like putting things in perspective and saying if I really crank on this that'll open up the freedom for me to do what I really want to do yeah yeah no that's beautiful um, you know you we mentioned your blog post about learn so far given the frameworks that you have now in the projects that you're working on now where do you what do you want that piece to look like five years from now tough question you know I it's it's really hard to predict that far in the future I know that's like a classic interview question <laughs> that I might be like failing at if this were a job interview <laughs> you're doing a great job <laughs> I think uh I think that it's it's helpful not to necessarily say what am I doing but more to kind of answer why mm. and I know that's like a very common like Simon Sinek thing that he's popularized and I think, you know, for me, if I basically say what I know about myself, what I find meaningful is like, as I've said, like learning and using my learnings to try to hopefully help other people give back and make the world a better place. I don't necessarily know exactly how I'm going to be doing that in five years, but I have a pretty concrete sense of like, that would be my personal North Star. And I would love to say that Brightest becomes super successful. I'm really excited about the roadmap. We've got a great team. I think we're going to build a lot of good technology that hopefully will work toward that. And maybe I will be working on like a much bigger, more ambitious version of that in five years. But I think even if I'm not, and even if I recognize that, you know, a lot of startups don't succeed, I would want to be doing something in that sphere. And that could be through art, that could be through politics, that could be through another dimension. Again, I think it's more important to say, like, that's the direction that I want to go. And I'm going to charge after that. But like the particulars and the details may evolve. Okay, okay. And then do you, how did you come up with the idea behind Brightest? And how did you say, this is a project that I want to start, and I have X amount of time to put towards it, and I have X amount of skills? You know, how did you know that this this could be something that fits within your your skill set? Well, yeah. So I think you know one of the interesting questions about like when you start a new venture. I think one is domain expertise, which is like, are you an expert in the thing that you're going in to try to do? Uh, and sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes it's actually a bad thing, right? Because sometimes not being a domain expert can help you look at things in like a new and fresh way. You know, there's like a classic anecdote that firefighters do incredibly well on management consulting problem questions or, or, or case studies because they just tend to look at it from like very different perspectives. And I think so domain expertise is kind of one. And then I think, again, the other is really just kind of about like purpose and meaning, which is like, why do you want to go do this? And so I think for me with Brightest specifically, what I was feeling personally in like my heart of hearts was again, this idea of we need to make 
change, like pretty sweeping social change in a lot of avenues. We need to fight climate change. We need to get rid of like economic inequality. We need to invest more in education. We need to invest more in like social equality. There's all these different kind of, I guess you could say, fronts that we need to fight on for progress. And I think one of the things that's interesting is I almost feel like counterproductively for a lot of people, the Obama administration years, he was such a charismatic, positive figure that a lot Mm. of people were like, he embodies progress for me and progress is happening because we elected the first black president. We elected this person who really symbolizes this. But I think the reality is like a lot of the, I guess you could say underlying political and social machinations might not have been going in the right direction, right? Like income equality hasn't gotten better. The average working wage for people hasn't gotten better. Climate change and global temperatures have gotten worse. And so the whole principle for brightest, which is the actual product, is basically saying, go to a website, tell us what you're passionate about, what issues you care about, what do you want to change, and we'll try to recommend you actionable, local, easy steps that you can take as you can kind of move along that journey. And I think we want to evolve into more of almost a hybrid of like a personal coach or a personal trainer, almost the way that like a fitness app might work or like a meditation app might work, but also with career or a work app around like meaningful ways to spend your time. And hopefully we can answer some of those questions. So if you say, I care about X, I live here, what should I do? We'll give you the best answer. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to, you know, when you, after college, you started testing, you know, learning about yourself, start working at Goldman and Percolate, you know, what would you, how would you have changed knowing what you know now? Yeah, it's really, it's funny. So one of the the things that I think, you know, just to repeat a comment that I said earlier is I think failing earlier in your career is actually one of the best things that can happen. So I don't, I would probably certainly change a couple things and I'll actually come back to probably the biggest thing that I would change, but I wouldn't really change too many failures. One interesting personal anecdote that I don't actually know if I've ever even like shared publicly. So when I was at Goldman, I had a friend who was a software engineer and right when the iPhone came out, this was like, I think 2007, 2008, we were like walking down the West side highway. I think we actually had just been like playing pickup basketball. And we were like, the iPhone's gonna like change the world. Like the iPhone is going to like very clearly like change the way people access information and the way they get their behavior. What if there was a way to like see where your friends are and like what they're doing? Like which of your friends are at a restaurant? Like which of your friends are out? Like is the place that they're out fun? And the idea that we had like literally is Foursquare. Like it was like, it was Foursquare, but like Foursquare didn't exist. So we had the same idea for Foursquare. The interesting thing was we were like, we should make an iPhone app, you know? And we said this back in 2007, but I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. I didn't know anything about technology. Like I didn't know anything about programming. I didn't know anything about what that took. And we just completely failed, you know, started trying to build the app. I think I went out and tried to raise some money, had no idea what I was doing. Uh, And it just completely failed. And like the project sort of went off the rock. But I think the interesting thing was in doing that and in going through those steps, I started to learn more about tech. I started to learn about what does it actually take to be an app. And I really, I think like in a lot of ways learned from what those initial failures were. And so when I started my next company, I was a lot better prepared. When I started, you know, and built a software tool in a company after that, I was better prepared. 
And I think technically like brightest is now the fourth thing that I've tried to create or found myself. Uh, and I think if I hadn't gone through those three learnings, if I hadn't gone through the, my percolate experience, like I wouldn't feel as equipped and confident that I can go do that. And I think if I, to actually like answer your question, cause I know I sort of dodged it originally. I think the one thing that I would do differently if I could go back is I think the biggest challenge in pivoting what you do and significantly changing your career or significantly changing your work is losing track of the relationships and the network in your previous job. So for example, like I had great relationships in like the renewable energy industry when I was in my early 20s that I just didn't really actively make an effort to like maintain and keep in touch with these people because I was, okay, I'm going to start working more on like the software side of things. I'm not as focused in clean tech, but given what I'm doing with Brightest now, like actually those relationships could be really helpful to me, but I haven't kept them warm. And I think, you know, along the way in your job, you're going to meet people who, you know, inspire you, are really talented or are really impressive and are doing other cool things. And I think the more you can just maintain those relationships, again, you're kind of increasing your surface area. They may go off and do awesome things. You know, you often commonly see whether it's, you know, the Uber alumni network or the Percolate alumni network or the PayPal alumni network, people who come out of great projects tend to go off and start their own great projects. And that will kind of snowball and create this network effect. So it's making sure if you work with somebody early in your career, or you know, somebody that you really respect and think is talented, keep that relationship going. Don't let that sort of <laughs> diminish. And sometimes that's on more on them. Sometimes that's more on you, but like really try to make that effort. My probably one of my biggest failings personally is I think sometimes I rely a little too much on myself and I don't ask for help mm -hmm. enough or I'm not as focused on, you know, I'm focused more on like, what can I do when the right question should be, how do I make sure I can bring out the best in the people around me and also like help and, and make sure that I can bring out the best in them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's somebody else that can help you with what you're struggling with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I think having some humility and trying to be kind of Socratic about like I know what I don't know is like a really really important mm -hmm. skill, and that's actually probably one of the best things that you learn from experience and you learn from getting your reps in and you learn from mistakes is don't repeat the same pattern of behavior because like it screwed you the last time, <laughs> and yeah, just knowing when you're over your skis or you're out of your depth and when you need to like phone a friend. Yeah, that's great advice, Chris. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? through your, you know, within the portfolio career lens and modern work, as we've talked about, you know, how you kind of think of, you know, potential projects or career development, mentorship or role models. Is there anything else to talk a little bit more about? Well, hopefully I won't get too philosophical with this. I think we're at a really interesting time in history, not just for the, the social and political and socioeconomic reasons that I mentioned, but we're on the cusp of entering a period of rapid technological progress, particularly around the automation of intelligence, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, we're seeing ways to automate human potential and human work in kind of new and profound ways. And I think I would argue we don't see it yet, but in the next maybe 10 to 20 years, we may see something that's as profound as like the industrial revolution, where we went from non-mechanized labor and like cottage industry to sort of more automation and industrial stuff, right? Like you see this like huge step function change 
in like global wealth and global standards of living when like the steam engine is invented. And I think there's the potential or you could make the case that, you know, in the next, let's say 50 years, AI will do the same thing. And I think, or not the same thing, but will have similar degrees of impact. And and why I think that's important is because I think we kind of sit on the cusp of two futures around how people spend their time and how people work. And I think the way that if you think about cottage industry a long time ago, let's say you were a leather worker, you would make your own belts, you would make your own saddles, like you would do an entire creative project soup to nuts. Or if you were making furniture, you create an entire chair or create an entire table. Like you were the craftsperson who did this thing. And now we're kind of in an era where nobody builds anything unless it's like Ikea furniture, right? Like we're sort of the equivalent almost of you're trying to like solve a Sudoku problem, but you're doing it one square at the time. Where I feel a lot of the work that people are doing in the corporate world today in the modern industry is really, really unpackaging and decomposing and breaking down intellectual work the same way that physical work was broken down during the industrial era. So it's rather than say, hey, come up with the communications campaign for this endeavor. Okay, you're going to do the Instagram creative and you're going to project manage it and you're going to do the graphic design and you're going to come up with the art direction. There's so much kind of packaging of people's work in different ways that I actually don't think reflects how people want to work and how people want to think. People end up getting, I think, abstracted from the actual agency or impact or being able to see the fruits of their labor. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why something we were talking about, why so many people are generally dissatisfied with their job or their nine to five. You know, David Graeber, who's a really interesting anthropologist, has a book. I don't think I can curse on your podcast, but it's it's BS Jobs, which is a really interesting kind of anthropology around why are so many people unhappy at work. But it's, the stat is like a third to half of everybody hates their job. And I think one of the possible reasons or my hypothesis is why is because we're taking away what people have normally thought of as creative labor and we're starting to automate it or we're starting to break it down. And I think the interesting question why I bring up AI is if if machines are starting to do more and more things that we've typically thought of as creative, that means potentially even more people are acting as not necessarily cogs, but as like tiny portion in a supply chain of creativity in a way that may not naturally reflect what people find meaningful or how people want to work. And so I think it's really important that as we think about the future of work, as we think about technology for enabling work, this is again part of the hypothesis for Brightest, is helping people meaningfully spend their time and whether that's through like instituting universal basic income or figuring out ways where technology can unlock creativity or enable meaningful work rather than take it away. I think that's like super, super important. And so I guess what I would leave everybody with ultimately is as you think about your own time, as you think about your own impact and you think about what's important for you or what the the change that you want to create in the world, you're going to define meaning in your own way and on your own terms. And that's totally fine, right? Whatever you find purposeful, like you should really strive and work toward. But I think the question that I would make sure that you ask yourself regularly enough and have like a good compelling answer for is, have I tried to align my path in the world and my path with my career in a way that directs me toward that? 
And that could be as simple as I work nine to five in order to make the money that allows me to travel or pursue my hobby. You know, I remember seeing a documentary on Netflix about like Just Blaze, the like <laughs> seminal hip hop producer yeah. who uh, produced all of Jay-Z's stuff and was really, really influential in like shaping hip hop. And he was, I interned at a studio in order to pay my bills so that when my job ended, I could just stay in the studio and like produce music until like 4 a.m. And the crazy thing is like the guy's super rich. He's like incredibly influential and still works until three or 4 a.m. every night, not because he needs to work. He's a millionaire. He could retire whenever he wants, but because that's sort of where he finds meaning. And it could be as simple as that, which is use your regular job or in your career to enable you pursuing the art or the meaning or the purpose you want, or try to figure out how to make those two things the same thing. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think, you know, your Learn So Far blog post like really dives into that and captures that more. And and you just took it to another level here too. So I really appreciate your time, Chris. This has been a lot of fun and looking forward to um, following Brightest and many of your other projects. So really appreciate your time, Chris. Awesome. Thanks, David. Really appreciate it.